So the restaurants are set up not just for the food. And that's why I tell people when we do the restaurant concepts, you're not just selling food. Yes, food and drink is the product, right? Is the overall product, but that's not really what you're selling. When people go to restaurants, right, it's not all the time because of the food. So that experience, that overall experience that you get as a diner, right, will be taken away. And that's what a number of people seek. This is Business Fever NG Podcast, episode 47. This is a podcast where successful food entrepreneurs in Nigeria share the success stories of how they built their brand and the lessons they learned along the way. Welcome to the show. Our guest today is Chef Tien Enile. She's a wonder woman. She's a chef. She's an advisor. She's a golfer. She's a teacher. She's a lover girl. She's a yogi. She's a dreamer. She's a believer. She's an experimentalist. She's a renaissance woman and she's retired. All this according to her Instagram uh, profile. She's uh, the founder of Culinary Academy and Tarragon Lagos. Probably one of the only few or the only fine dining restaurants in Lagos. And I'm your host, Olumide from Barbecue and Cravings. Thank you very much for coming on the show today. I have watched, um, I have watched you for a long time. I've seen you and your blonde hair moving around real quick at <laughs> events, you know, and I've just never got a chance to really talk to you. And uh, when I saw the... Your post about pretty much like a Q&A session, I was really yeah. intrigued and I'm happy I came to it because one, it gave me a chance to actually meet you in person and then yeah. also to kind of see the kind of work you've been doing and how you've been helping people, you know, yeah. um, build careers in this field. So thank you very much for that. Can you You're introduce welcome. yourself? Tell us uh, your background and then, um, yeah, how long have you been in this, uh, in this field? Uh, okay, so introduce myself. I am Tiana Lila the founder of the Culinary Academy, the Culinary Academy, which is a training school and a consultancy company. We train chefs, we train people to learn how to do recreational cooking, and we primarily do consulting for people who want to set up their own hotels or restaurants, um, resort spaces, anything that has to do with the kitchen, the back of house and the front of house. Um, I did start off in the legal field and practiced law for 10 years, then went to culinary school at La Academie de Cuisine in Maryland and came back to set up the Culinary Academy. Prior to that, I had been doing um, food businesses. I owned a barbecue place. I owned a catering service. I've been doing that for, in total, I'll say I've been doing that for 20 years, since 1999. Um, in the period we have in one way or the other trained mentored or done master classes for upwards of 4,000 people wow. and um, yeah <laughs> and we've graduated we've graduated eight sets of diploma students from the culinary academy the diploma program is a year and a half long and we've channeled them into productive life working in restaurants or running their own entrepreneurial businesses. So, yep, it has been that journey. Pretty much that's wow. my background. Wow. <laughs> wow. So curious about yeah. law. Why did you choose law then? Because I, I read online in Wikipedia that you were pretty, you had a, a, a cupcake. Um, yeah. So yes. like, why second, did you... As far back as second Yeah, school, so why did you go into so law maybe then? Trace, maybe I should trace my career further back and say I've been doing this for, for what, 30 years? Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, 
So, law, of course, you know how it is when it's time for you to go to university. Uh, your parents actually guide you and stay in a certain direction. Um, because I didn't recognize any um, culinary, there were, in fact, there were no culinary schools. And even, even with the catering or cooking schools that there were, I didn't recognize any that I would have loved to study in. So when I was going into the university, I had applied to do theater arts, dance and drama. Yeah. <laughs> so if I had carried on with theater arts, dance and drama, I probably would have found myself in that field because that's another thing that I, I, I totally enjoy. Okay. But then, of course, my parents insisted that I, I study law. And it's not like I hated it. Or So changing careers wasn't because, oh gosh, I'm, I'm sick of law or I'm doing what I don't enjoy. I was passionate from day one up till today. I still really enjoy the legal field. Um, if I were to go back, I would I would go back in a heartbeat. So I practiced law, but I I had I was chasing two rabbits. Yeah. You know how it is. Yeah. I was chasing two rabbits, so I decided if I've done this for ten years, let's see what the future holds for this other rabbit. You know. So. But where, I, where do you feel more fulfilled now? Um. Well, it depends on your definition of fulfillment, <laughs> right? Where do you I feel would, aligns with you. your inner, like your inner, your inner self? Like which which field aligns with it? Both. I'll tell you both. Oh my goodness! I will tell you both. Yeah, <laughs> I will tell you both. So let me. So let me use. I mean, let me just break it down into two definitions of fulfillment. There is one where you are financially fulfilled, right? And then there's one where you are, or should I say, emotionally fulfilled. So you're, you're, there's social impact if you're creating social impact, and then if you're, if you're um, bringing in the, the money. Yeah, but the um, with law, okay. with law, definitely was much more profitable financially. I was, um, I definitely was more, I was happier financially with law. Um, in terms of social impact and capacity building, for sure, we. Economy, I am especially more fulfilled because of the number of lives that this is affected. Yeah, but so so which know, one is worth directly. more then? Because I mean, it, it's always the. And I think that's one of the reasons why people become entrepreneurs. Is like no matter how much money they're making in the nine to five, they they yeah. still feel like they need something or they want to have more value and they want to do something. So they create something, and you know, it, it's in the field you're in right now. Yeah. As much as we need to pay bills, it's more mm -hmm. of a the passion is deeper than just the. You know, um, I guess it's because the field I'm in now, I have the opportunity to reach more people. Yeah. So if I was doing, if I was in law, and say for instance, I was a lecturer at the law school, right? I would see the number of students that I have tutored, graduate, and become okay. and make make. You know what I mean? Yeah, and become great true. great lawyers, SAN, whatever it is. That's true. So I would have had. So I guess it depends on the, the depends on how I've chosen to. Um, I've, I've chosen how the direction I've chosen my career to go. I have access to more people to impact, yeah. right? In Korea, especially because I came from a place of a teacher, setting yeah. up the school. You know what I mean? Yeah. If I had just gone into this business and I was just a caterer, I probably wouldn't be affecting it to the lives. So, but because I am a teacher, right? I'm educating, I'm building capacity, I'm empowering people. So it definitely has more social reach than um, law. But then when I think about them, the, the, the number of people, because I worked with the Legal Aid Council and I, I was instrumental to defending certain people who were not, who obviously were not guilty and getting them off the hook, you know. And then I was also, when I moved into corporate, 
I was doing corporate structure advisory. I was seeing businesses start from inception and foreign businesses that were investing in Nigeria start from inception and also seeing those businesses grow, you know. But like I said, in terms of financial fulfillment, yeah. I will go back to law in a hurry. <laughs> yeah. I'll go back to law in a hurry. But then with social impact, I like the fact that I'm in a position where I can reach out to a large number of people and touch their lives or change their lives. That's fantastic. So, um, I mean, there's, there's so many things you've done that I would want to ask questions on. So I might be jumping from like one topic to another topic. So just kind of okay. bear with me. So the culinary <laughs> school okay. you have, you've tied it to like the um, culinary academy. In, 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 I'm guessing it's in New York or where it just states generally? No, the CIA. No, CIA. the Culinary Institute of America okay. is my, you know, when you have an idol that you, okay. um, you, you want to be like, okay. it is, it's, it's, it's the standard there really. For culinary training. Um, so when we were trying to set up, we I took a drive down to Hyde Park to meet with Dave Cameron to get them to do advisory services for us on our curriculum and all of that for the Culinary Academy. So we got some guidance from them um, for our setup. And so it's a mentor school for me. We look up to them so much, right? You know, is it like an official agreement with both schools? Like, so like, is no, it? no, 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 okay. no. The students don't graduate and get a CIA certificate. Okay, okay, no. okay. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah. So, like, what's your take on people who don't go to culinary school and call themselves chefs? This is just a random question. I didn't write, write that down, but there are folks who call well, themselves well, chefs I mean, here and there. Oh, yeah, no, but by definition, by definition, you don't have to go to culinary school to call yourself a chef. Interesting. I didn't but, know yeah, that. by definition of the, word, of the word chef, you can actually do tutelage under a professional chef for years and become a professional chef yourself. Oh, wow. You absolutely can. However, um, I'm a big proponent on learning, right? Yeah. And I, I still advise people to go to an institution of learning and understand the theoretical aspects, the practical aspects. And at Culinary Academy, we do have an in-house restaurant, so it is practical, unpractical. It's as, as live and as real as it gets before you go out there and start, start working in the industry. So, yeah, by definition, somebody who um, who has worked in a professional kitchen and has been a student of a professional chef. Is there a timeline for after, that? After many years. Well, I, I guess it depends on, I cannot, I cannot say that okay. there's a specific timeline, but it depends on how, it depends on how, what, what you're even exposed to. Because you can work under a professional chef and all you're doing is peeling potatoes. For That's true. That's true. You know what I mean? So it also depends on what you've been exposed to. So I, and I, I value experience, and that's why um, I value experience. And that's why I say if you've worked on a professional chef, we have people who've come from that space um, for us to retrain and just refine. Because sometimes you find that they work on that. You, 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 you find yourself becoming a chef by working in a professional space, but then you have rough edges that culinary education can chisel. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get so it. terminology, understanding the principles of food science, understanding why you're doing things that's just being instructed by your chef. Cut those potatoes, cut them in this manner, put them to boil for five minutes, you know. But then understanding why, the why behind why you're doing everything, the principles of food science, what happens to your ingredients when they come in contact with heat. You know what I mean? So yeah. you can work in a professional space. It depends on the kind of professional space you work in. You may go in there and pick up bad habits upon bad habits, bad terminology upon bad terminology. But then with culinary education, what that does is it takes these rough people and then it refines them. Yeah. 
Fair enough. So your culinary school, like, um, how often do you have classes? Like, uh, once a quarter, or and then how? Like, is there a requirement to actually get into the class, or is just pretty much come as you are, pay the registration fees, and get signed up? Yeah, it depends on the course you intend to okay. do. We offer okay. so many different courses. We even do tailor-made courses okay. um, for specific things. Okay. But primarily, we do the diploma program, which is accredited by the Ministry of Education. So because of that, you need to have five credits in your okay. GCE okay. um, to get admitted. You write an essay. You um, get a letter from your sponsor. If you have a sponsor, you get a free letter sending your ID and you fill an application form. And that's that, a year and a last, half program. That for, yes, exactly. Okay. That lasts for a year and a half, and it's full time. You're in school every day. You have you do your tests, you do your exams, you do your theory, you write your, you do your project work. It's a year and a half. It's intensive. Then we have the other programs, which are three months, one month, six months, um, one week, one day. Those are more recreational. So those you just those so for the five for the three months one, same thing. You have similar requirements to the year and a half. Oh, an additional requirement for the year and a half is um, if you're not Nigerian, you need to have um, a work permit or resident permit because okay. with a year and a half, it's work placement. It's a six-month work placement. Oh, so okay. you would actually get to work exactly. So you need to have the right to work in Nigeria. With the others, you don't need all of those requirements. Um, they're more recreational than anything else. Okay. What's the average salary of your... I mean, I, I guess once they graduate, like, what, what's the average? Because I'm also thinking that some of the listeners might watch you want to go to culinary school and mm-hmm. so you guys are one of the top ones in there. And it's an investment of time, obviously, a year and a half. So what would, mm. what would you say is, like, based on what you've seen so far, like, the average um, graduate salary once they get it's, a placement? Yeah. So average graduate salary also depends on where they are placed, right? Even with interns, when they do their work placement, the internship... The average salary also depends on where they are paid. There are people who pay their interns 50k a month. There are people who pay them 10k a month. And then even with average salary, I mean, some of them are lucky to get into spaces where they understand and appreciate the professionalism that comes with the, the title chef. And some of my graduates have left from Culinary Academy and started off earning 250k a month. Some have left inside of at 150k a month. So on average, I don't. It doesn't typically go less than 150k a month. Okay. Fair enough. Mm. Um, what advice would you give um, young chefs? Um, hmm. When you say young chefs, young in age or young as in they just became oh, chefs. Wow. Um, I, I guess. <laughs> because, wow, that's two yeah, different things. Because you, you can, we've had we've had graduates who are nearing forty, so they are young in profession. So do you mean young in profession? Let's and we've let's, had graduates who have both. graduated at nineteen. Yeah, because I, I think so. <laughs> A forty-year-old young chef is that like mm-hmm. the career path is going to be really tight because, I mean, they, yeah. they can't be busting yeah. that. I mean, it, it's it's yeah. almost like you, you miss the butt a little bit, you know, unless you're going to go into like private uh, personnel. But like, you can't mm-hmm. be a line cook at forty. I mean, I guess you can, but you can, <laughs> you can, but it's physically. Dra- but it's so the industry is physically like draining, like yeah. the hours you put in. So like, and yeah. then respond. I mean. At 40 years old, let's assume that you have other responsibilities, payments, uh, house, you know, maybe mm-hmm, family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe family. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. And you can't be doing that and getting, you know, the payment of a, you know, of a line cook when you have all that responsibility. So, like, let's let's start off with a, a young in age, you know, because, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, chef. And then I think most of my listeners will probably be young in age anyway. Um, mm. If you're 40 years old and you just become a chef, you probably would have saved enough money. You would have planned yourself better than now you're just out of school. Well, it, it, well, it depends. <laughs> okay. 
So let's ask, really, answer both then. It depends. Ask. Okay, so with the young in age, gosh, there's so much ahead of you. You have so many opportunities. And um, that way you have the flexibility of trying out so many things, trying out so many work, workplaces, so many um, styles, working on that so many different chefs. Um, you're probably still trying to figure out what it is you really want to do. It's funny that when, I'm digressing, when students come to Culinary Academy and we do their entry interview and their exit interview, it's always different. When they come, they want to do something. By the, by the time they start learning, there are some that never thought they would be interested in pastry. And when they start learning, all they want to do is big bread for the rest of their lives. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Um, so if you're young in age, there's, just, there's still so much to explore. And the thing with young in age, there's also restlessness that comes with it. So you find the young ones, they get tired, they're moving from place to place. So an advice would be just buckle down. Um, give yourself in an establishment maybe five years, you know, and see how far you can go with that. Continue to seek learning, right? It doesn't end here because you have the opportunity of time. Young in profession but old in age, um, like you said, you, you, you plan yourself better and you don't have the opportunity of time. So determine specifically what you want to do when you're done with culinary school. Do you want to become an entrepreneur because you know you have the support system, the finances, the time um, you need for that to happen? You obviously have the tools because you've benefited from culinary school. Um, so if you're young in profession, old in age, um, with people who, like that who have passed through culinary academy, when we, we do intern, internship or work placements, we try and look for spaces that would pay them better than any other space so that is covered and you try and advise them at least give the place two years before you decide you want to jump up and do something because in as much as entrepreneurship looks glamorous it is extremely stressful yeah it is extremely yeah. stressful yeah. and you could either go in there and and become a good success of it or lose everything wow. you know yeah mm -hmm. um Advice to restaurant owners, because you also have a consulting arm. Um, mm -hmm. What are what are the the major pitfalls you've seen, and then what you know? Because the way I see people in Lagos, I mean, they, some have cash and they just think that they want to be out of mega mm -hmm. chicken or tarot, mm -hmm. whatever the case mm -hmm. is. And there's daily cash coming in from this industry, but it's very expensive daily cash because it costs a lot yeah. to actually make that money. It costs a lot. So, um, it, it, yeah, yeah. So, what advice should you give a restaurant owner that um, advice? Advice, but before I talk about advice, let me first talk about how commendable the industry has become. The people in the industry have become because they come to us because they realize that they, they can't just jump in this, into this the way they used to do before, blindly. A number of people would just say, oh, I want to do a restaurant and then hack it through the way to, towards opening. Um, but it's becoming more commendable because quite a, a number of people are coming to us to say, we understand you can hold our hands from the beginning to inception and we want to use your services so of course first advice would be speak to a consultant and get somebody to guide you through the way it may cost you more at the beginning because you're paying consultancy fees but it will save you a lot of money in the long run because you'll make those expensive and costly mistakes plus they would prepare your mind people think oh cash is just going to be running in rolling in they go to restaurants they see it packed full and you just think that oh we will make a killing or they will think oh my friends will come Right, yeah. the number of people who come to the restaurants that I manage are not the, more, the most number of people are not my friends. Yeah, my friends know I own the restaurant, but they don't come that often. They come when I when I blackmail them and emotionally blackmail <laughs> them into coming. Yeah, exactly. That's what typically happens. Yeah. Um. So you you're, you're setting up the business for God knows who the public. You know, 
to walk in there. You're trusting that the public will walk in. So number one advice, get a consultant to hold your hand and to guide you, right? Number two, do a lot of research in what it is you're trying to do. And number three, understand that it is an expensive business. Yes, you're bringing in the money, but the expenses are immense. They are high. You know, prepare yourself for it. And people also underestimate the stress, especially when they want to be a part of the, the restaurants. They don't they underestimate the long hours it takes. They underestimate the HR complexities and problems they would encounter, you know. So do a lot of research. And I would say speak to a consultant for sure. Okay, so like... um. I agree with you, and I think that I didn't take a consultant when I was opening mine, but I spent a lot of, I mean, I failed the first time, so I learned from the first mistakes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then also, yeah. like, I, I actually spent a lot of time doing research online, you know, um, and I listened to just a lot of stuff. So I think, you know, I paid for that through the hours I put in to learn more. But mm-hmm. how about the folks who don't have that extra, you know, one yeah, M, half M? Yeah, I was going to you that you're lucky. You're lucky if you actually admit you failed the first time and you're able to get up and then do it again. Not many people have that opportunity to fail and get up and then, and then do it again. When yeah. they fail, that's it. And it's just money gone down the drain. True, true. So would you have an advice for anybody who wants to um, who wants to do this, but they don't have money for consultants? Like, would it, would it be a... Go to culinary school first. Would it be um hire like a manager that had worked four or five years in another another restaurant? Like what would be uh it's a, it, there's no shortcut in, in this, but what would be a yeah, cheap? There's no shortcut. Uh, there's no shortcut, but I'll tell you a cheaper a, a cheaper cut which uh, people take on two actually. So our three month program, we actually have a couple of people doing it right now who um are older and they want to do this. They want to go into the business. Um, it is not, they're not going to learn the extent of what the people doing the diploma would learn, but at least they have an inside knowledge to what can possibly be going on in this space. Then we also offer an SME consulting um, program as well for people who cannot afford the full-on okay. to deliver your restaurant to you at the end of the day. So they come for uh, mentorship sessions, they come for menu engineering sessions, you know, um, that's also is a, is a less, less affordable um, process towards okay. doing this. Right. So, um, yeah, yeah, that pretty works. much that's it. Mm. Third question along the lines of this is, um, what advice would you give a woman who, a female who wants to uh, go into this field? Because the reason why I ask this is, it takes a lot of time. I mean, for almost like two, three mm. years, I wasn't seeing my kids. Like, it would mm-hmm. be, I would leave the house they'll leave the house maybe like seven to go to school, I'm sleeping. And then I get home about 10.30, they're sleeping. So it would only be maybe like some hours on Sunday morning, on Saturday morning, because again, in this industry, I feel like Saturday, Sundays are probably one of the, there there are Christmas days, they're the busier days because people have time to come and really enjoy. They can move around easier. And, you know, it's, in also a weird way, you know, the, the, this industry is also more popular, maybe, maybe geared towards, Okay, this might sound sexist. Is it naturally geared towards women? The, you know, mm. the cooking, the that experience mm-hmm. in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, it, it's what advice would they give a woman who wants to just go into it, and how how would they how can they maintain a work life balance? You know, and even yeah. if they don't plan to maybe um, you know have a big family or like, what advice would they give them? Well, I mean, you are right when you say that it is it's sort of skewed towards um, favoring the men. Um, I mean, culturally, not just in Nigeria, all over the place. It's it's going to be tough for me to say to just give a general advice to everyone because I'm not um, privy to the home situation where gender women listen to this podcast. Uh, 
uh, are, are in. Um, I would just use myself as an example. I um, I do not have the sort of encumbrances as it were that some other women have, family, children, and all of that, right? Um, so for me, it's easier for me to say, oh, I would get up at 5 a.m. in the morning and I would go to bed at 2 a.m. in the morning and not see anybody or speak to anyone. So coming from that place, I may not be the best person to advise women. But it's the same sacrifices in a sense. However, okay. yeah, I know. However, we've had um, students in the school who are married or who, who, yeah, who are married and they were married at the time when they were doing the diploma program. And gosh, the calls and the text messages from their husbands and the visits to the school from their husbands saying, how can my wife come home at midnight? Yeah. And this is because they're doing restaurant service yeah. and restaurants close late. And I, like I said to people, I said to a number of people, even parents, some parents, you know, who come and say, what, what are you doing there? And I would say, have you ever traveled and stayed in a hotel? Go back late from your conference and ordered room service. It's not a computer making the food. Yeah. It's a human being making the food, <laughs> you know, or starting off breakfast very early in a, in a hotel. You go down for breakfast at 7 a.m. The people who made your breakfast don't get there at 6 o'clock. They probably got there at five o'clock or they probably spend the night yeah. getting prepared for your breakfast. So that is just what the industry is, right? So whether you're a man or a woman and whether you're a family woman or whatever it is, I would say understand that this industry has long, long, long um, working hours, late working hours. You're standing on your feet for God knows how long during the day, you know? So just know that that is going to happen. And then talk to your husband or your parents and figure out what to take care of your home first. Even your friends right? as well and too because you're not going to yeah, spend time course, with them yeah. at all. So it, even your friends, yeah. even your friends, take care of that back end first. Yeah. Right. And whatever you decide on the back end is what you, you would use to to face your career. And another thing I say to the ones who come to the school, not everybody has to go through um, culinary training and become a chef. You can actually structure the way you want your career to go. There are also women that come in for interviews and they say, look, I'm sorry, I have a husband, I have a children, this is my this is my life, right? I would love to work here, but is there any way we can have an agreement that my work hours will be this to this? You know what I mean? So I can take care of my life. And there's sometimes that we're like, oh yeah, sure. So we know that we have you here from this time to this time. And then for the other hours, we would hire other people that can do the other hours. So you can also negotiate that with your with your employers as well. But then you must take care of the back end. You must take care of, you must understand, you must have an agreement with your family, people who are dependent on you, right? Dependent on your time, dependent on seeing you and having you around. That's the only way you'll be able to figure out a work-life balance. For me, yeah, it is, I, would, I, don't even, I don't even know if I should call it a work-life balance. I, I was the one that I was to talk to and say, Tian, this is what Tian needs outside of her work, Culinary Academy. And at the beginning, I didn't have that honest conversation with myself. Instead, I was just going, 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 going and collapsing so many times mm-hmm. until I, I took a step back and, and had the conversation with myself. This is the kind of lifestyle you enjoy, but this is the kind of career you have. And my lifestyle and my career, they were fights, they were at loggerheads. Serious loggerhead. <laughs> and I had to have the conversation with myself. I had to structure things in a different way at work. I had to also pick up the trust I had in my staff, right? And know that, you know what, step out of the kitchen or step out of this situation, step out of this project, and your people would handle it. 
And even if it goes belly up, we'll fix it. Yeah. You know, but guess what? Your life and your lifestyle is being neglected and you need to figure out a way to balance it. Even the balancing is a continuous process. Balancing is a continuous process. But it's an honest conversation you want to have with yourself or you want to have with your family and your friends. I agree with this and... I also feel like it is something that you almost have to go through the dark side before you can actually start thinking about the balance. Because yeah, also, the, the, everything. Yeah, the teaches a lot. It does. And then, unfortunately, like if you're new into the industry, you know, you got to put in those hours in until you learn a lot. Mm-hmm. And then, mm-hmm. once you've done that, then you worry about employees, training them, management system, and structures and, and mm-hmm. things. So, like in the peak of the, the stressful times, like, because we all have to go through it, what advice, like, how would you recommend people just distress? Is it? I, I know you say you do yoga. I mean, is that something you've always been doing, mm-hmm. or that was like after, like? No, but I was doing yoga from way before. Okay, so and um, you also do a lot of golfing as well too, which I've seen online. I do. That's why I said at least three times a week. Oh wow! I get up very early because I, I like to tee off about six thirty, six forty-five. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> would you would you recommend that even before anybody starts that they need to have this conversation and then create that? Um, outlet to maintain their lifestyle or a level of yeah. you have to make such sacrifices so a level of lifestyle must mm-hmm. be sacrificed definitely but would you mm-hmm. say that they need to do this ASAP so they don't oh yeah okay oh yeah absolutely and like because I said you know you learn from experience so um, I mean I can I can pitch I can give people that advice right but would they take it who knows and then if they don't if they don't take it they start to experience these things that I think would start to happen. And then they will not say, well, in retrospect, I should have done that. So yeah, obviously from the get-go, I advise you to try and figure out the balance and figure out what is your lifestyle like and then let your career work with your lifestyle. It's not a conversation we have often or even we even think we should have. But then when you start to do the work, then you remember, oh gosh, I need to take a step back and restructure my life. It always, I see it happen every single time. And, you know, people coming, when people come into the space for the first time, they're also excited. They want to work. They want to put in their best. They, you know, they have all that energy. And because of how stressful this profession is, you actually, I actually see the energy waning with staff. I actually see them getting tired. I see them getting slower. I see less productivity. Yes, because they didn't, um, from the beginning, figure out how they were going to balance their work and their life. Okay, so Michelin star, like I read online, um, maybe an article you um or some interview you maybe you had that um they don't they don't accredit African they don't restaurant. Africa. They don't wait. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. They, isn't they're it? not in every. Yeah, they're not in every continent, and even even they they're just entering certain continents. So they go continent by continent, and we're hoping, fingers crossed, okay. that they'll come to Africa at okay. some point in time. Okay. Yeah, but they don't reach they don't reach every continent for. For for a while, they were only racing Europe, and then they now started racing the exactly. US, and then they started yeah, okay. and then Asia. What's your take and on them? Um, because I I have I have my personal bias. I don't really okay. Let me let me just hear what you have <laughs> to say for us. Because what's your what's your what, do you still think that that the um that the gold standard for like the restaurant? Uh, I guess they are actually. But do do you think they would maintain that position long enough for for the for um, foreseeable future? Um, I would not, I would not say that um, they are the gold standard for restaurants, right? Um, I would say that they are seen to be people, people desire and covet the stars, yes. Um, and that's also because of the way they have come, they've, they've been in the market and people have helped them to do that. So people desire and covet the stars. But I do not think 
restaurants or chefs, um, restaurants that do not have Michelin stars are bad because they do not have Michelin stars. I still think that I know that there are so many restaurants out there that are excellent, right? But they don't have stars. And that doesn't take away from their excellence. If you what I, mean. I agree with you. So um, I went to Singapore like this summer, right? And I went to uh, one of the, the hawker stands that has like one Michelin star. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I get it, you know, um, but I feel like, and this is, this is just me being maybe biased and just stubborn. I feel like this is an attempt for um, them to stay relevant because, you know, it's like most folks now are going into, I mean, not most, like there's a, there's a, there's a change. There's, there's a move towards, other kinds of dishes and meals that may not be all fancy posh type restaurants. Mm-hmm. And the only mm-hmm. way these guys can almost start like regulating or feeling important is to now go to that space now and say, okay, yeah, let's start giving them the same, uh, the, the same yardstick we used to measure people who've, you know, like high, just chefs. So I just feel like they're, they're almost like stretching just to like start defining and putting structure in, in, in markets that, not markets in in, seg- in restaurant segments that they were not playing in before to stay relevant. Mm. That's just how I see them because I don't know why a, right. a hawker stand should have a one Michelin <laughs> star. Like by no standard, you know. I ate that like twice. I liked it, you know. But mm. um, in fact, it what it became a tourist destination because there were now long queues, and yeah, you could tell that the, exactly. You could tell that the other hawkers they were like, oh, "Why did this guy get lucky?" You know, like why him? Why not us? And I ate in different places, and I liked. I mean, it's, anyway, food is usually very, it's, it's personal. It's just what your taste preference is mm-hmm. like anyway. Mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I personally just feel like this is an attempt for them to really <laughs> also grow as well because, I mean, how many three, four, five-star restaurants are there in the world and, and it costs way too much to build those up and standards are much yeah. higher that this is them really reducing the standards to stay relevant. But that's just my take. I don't know if you want to yeah. give a... Um, I don't know. If, I don't know if that's the case. I don't know what the reasoning is behind, behind that sort of thing. Um... I know that when Michelin rates, the rates based on the food, the rates based on the service, the rates based on the overall experience. Yeah, but you a, know, a hawker stand. So, how do you? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so like, that so the hawker stand may not get up to three stars. It got one star, which is good rate. enough. No, I'm saying no. When I say up to three, okay. When I say so, that means they're probably giving it to staff for the food. Okay. They're not giving it. Yeah, so it probably may not get up to three stars in its lifetime yeah. because if they, if they can't race it based on the service and based on the overall experience, then it might not get up to three stars in its lifetime. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, I get um, it. Yeah. And then there are also so many other people who are racing restaurants as well. There's the 50 best, so the 50 best restaurants, 50 best um, um, bars. That is, also, that is also highly converted by restaurants. Highly, highly converted by restaurants as well. So I don't know if, if that's what the, the Michelin Guide is doing to save events. I honestly don't know. Um, I really can't speak to it. If they start to rate Africa, right? Yeah. Then all the restaurants, the, the restaurants will start to say, oh, so why, why can't I get a star? Right? If they start to rate Africa and I get a, I get a star, other restaurants would, would probably get better, improve themselves right? to True. say, oh, Next rating, I want to get a star as well, and just have the star. Like I said, if if they start with Africa and I get Michelin stars, I would not, I would not see it as, even though people would see it as an added validation to what we are doing, because that is what the Michelin Guide is. I still believe that with what I am doing, right, I am validated because 
of the excellent service I'm already rendering. Yeah. Do you understand? Yeah. How much of a, because, okay, so how much of a, are you, would you consider yourself more of a business woman now than a, than a chef or, because there can't no. really be a, okay, okay. I don't think, <laughs> so it, it, it's, it's like, I wrote, okay, I'll keep going back to a book I read called Inmate. Like having a skill and then running mm-hmm. a business are two different things. Two different things. You yeah, know, and, things. and at some point, like you almost have to, you can easily hand off that skill part to like, you know, employees you have trained. And then you focus mm-hmm. on maybe, you know, strategies and, and other things business mm-hmm. needed. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. your role now, I mean, do you see yourself more at, where do you see yourself more as still the... No, I don't see myself more as one thing or the other. I'll tell you why. Um, even though I had said before, structured things in such a way that for all the services we render, there's somebody in Culinary Academy that can actually take on that role, do that, right? It doesn't have to be me. But so yesterday, for instance, I taught a team building class. And while I was teaching that class, and it happens every time when I'm teaching, I am, I am so happy to be teaching. I, I, it, there's something that's so spiritual about when I am actually working, right? That makes me realize that I really enjoy this job that I do mm. and the job beyond the management and all of that. Right. If I had to, I would rather just be doing my teaching, doing my setting up my concept restaurant spaces for the clients, right, from start to finish. I really, really enjoy that when we're coming up with concepts and all of that. And when I am in class teaching and transferring knowledge, I enjoy that much more than having to deal with admin, HR, maintenance, and all of that. So numbers, accounts, of course. So I would not even say that I consider myself more of a business person. Yes, I have more business experience over the years, but no, I would I would trade all of that in a hurry to continue to teach Colorado, for sure. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Just a few more questions. Um, partnerships, uh, and um, mm-hmm. would you... Do you from your experience of, of restaurants you've seen come and go, do you would you say that um if they had uh if they were I, having partnership would that make them more successful? Like if one focused on one aspect of maybe of the business and other one focused on, on the business no, side? Not no, necessarily. No, no. Okay. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say having a partnership would make your business more successful. No, I wouldn't because um if you're going into a partnership because um, somebody has some technical experience or some whatever experience or some network or whatever it is, why don't you just hire somebody who has that? You may not have why the funds off Yeah, but you don't have to have the funds. You hire the person on a commission base. Okay. Yeah, you structure your, structure your partnership agreement in such a way that yeah, you're coming on board to, or not even the partnership agreement, the hiring agreement. You're coming on board to do XYZ for us and you get this commission. I've seen partnerships go belly up and um, for so many reasons. Of course, coming from a legal background, if I was to go into one, the contract to be airtight, you know, airtight that can suffocate. But um, but I don't, I don't see why, I don't think that having a partnership would make your business better at all. Okay, how should the restaurant industry in Lagos address deliveries? Or look, I mean, I'm not asking. So, like, how how should yeah? Because I think the landscape is changing, um, and obviously, social media has changed things a lot as well. Um, but how should restaurants plan for delivery? Because uh, okay, 
Do, do you get a question? I should ask it a different way. Because I feel like delivery is disrupting the restaurant industry all around the world. And um, we also have now, you know, um, skilled cooks or chefs who mm-hmm. all they have to do is invest in a bike and they will deliver mm-hmm. food to customers anywhere. So they don't mm-hmm. have to go out to the brick and mortar to get that same experience. I mean, to get, yeah, the, to get the food, mm-hmm. but experience is there. But Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So even though, yeah, there is a delivery, but that, that, that takes out of the experience. So the restaurants are set up not just for the food, and that's where I tell people when we do the restaurant concept, you're not just selling food. Yes, food and drink is the product, right? It's the overall product, but that's not really what you're selling. When people go to restaurants, right, it's not all the time because of the food. So that experience, that overall experience that you get as a diner, right, will be taken away. And that's what a number of people seek. If for the delivery, it's just because, you know what, I'm just hungry and I'm only interested in food. But then if your restaurant has a concept that is engaging, it's interactive, and, and um, it, it will pull people in, people will still go to restaurants. People are not going to stop going out to dine. That is fact. But it's dropping, though. It's, um, not, no, no, not in, necessarily, in the, no. Yeah, the, no. No, no, no. Okay. No, no, no. no. Okay. no, no, no. I mean, it's, it's because I do... <laughs> all the podcasts I've been listening to, and you talk about Uber Eats, DoorDash, and all those guys, like, they're definitely... Yeah, so, yeah, so that's and, what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's two different things. Uh, one is, one is, I want to eat. So Uber Eats, Junior Foods, whatever it is. Two is, I want to go out I want to go out. And that I want to go out is not going anywhere. People are still going to go out to eat. And when you think I want to go out, right, you're not thinking you want to go out and get the sort of thing that Uber eats or whatever it's going to bring for you. There are two completely different dining styles. Okay, so and how, both of them are going to continue to thrive. People so, are still going to be doing the delivery. Yeah, but right? how about how about and people are still going to be going out? How about this then? So, like the generation wise, like it, it, um, they were calling this new generation like touch touch screen or whatever touch phone button yeah. because we're used yeah. to just playing with the phone and we and we can be you can be in your house with like ten of your boys and you're thinking instead of us going to let's say Hard Rock Cafe, let's just order the food and bring it back to us and then we'll do we'll do other things in the house that we can't do outside. So. Like the generation, you know, um, mindset, I think is moving a little bit from. It is. So how it would is, how it would is, a restaurant ad- address that? That's what I'm telling you. It's two different. It's two different things. So if your restaurant, it, and it also depends on the kind of restaurant you are. Tagon, yeah. for instance, we don't even do. We, you can't even take your food away if you don't finish eating it. We don't even <laughs> offer that because of the style of restaurant we are. So we're not even really looking no in that direction. Service. Okay. Right? No takeout service at all. You can't, not, not even order to take out. If you don't finish your food, our food does not travel outside our doors. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't travel outside our doors. Um, the other restaurants I manage, for instance, so Black Olive, Danfo, Vanen, and some of the, the food, of course, travels. So it also depends on the style of restaurant. So actually, it's something that I really, really enjoy. I get a massage every week. I have a massage table at home. So I have masseuse that will come and do a massage for me at home. I can decide I don't want to be going out. But I love, I enjoy the spa experience. So even though I have someone who comes to the house to do a massage for me, I must go out to the spa. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah. So it's the same thing with the food. But even with me, there sometimes I sit down here and I order food and it comes to me at home. But I also enjoy the going out experience. So I would put on my shoes, put on my lipstick, and I would go out to dine. 
or I'll yeah. go out to have an experience. I'll go out for drinks. It's not going to go anywhere. Okay, think about drinks. How much drink delivery can people do? Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, let's yeah. go out for drinks. You can you can buy drinks and have drinks at home, but it is about the experience and it is not the same thing. So a restaurant should focus so on the shop, experience people, then. Yes, the experience. That's, what, that's why I always tell people, create a concept-driven space that is interactive to people. And if you create a concept-driven space that's interactive to people, people are going to want to come and interact with that space. People are going to start to have an affection to that space where almost like when a man loves a woman and say, why do you love her? I don't know, I just love her. Why now? What is this about her? I don't know. I just love her, right? So your restaurant or your space should create that kind of affection between you and your customer, where they just love you. Okay, so and I, they keep coming back to you. Um, I'm not trying to beat this down too much because it, it, I'm I'm in a fast casual scene, um, mm-hmm. not fast food, and I'm I'm also trying to understand like the trends or how things are evolving mm-hmm. in the industry. You know, maybe mm-hmm. back in the day it would have been like fine dining, and then maybe like fast food. Now, there's so many more segments coming out within that that it's mm-hmm. taking away from both markets. So instead of coming to go mm-hmm. to Mr. Biggs, you might come to me, you know, mm-hmm. because we're going to give you similar qualities as a fine dining, but faster mm-hmm. service, for example. You know, and that's how the Chipotle's of the walls are there, you know, the mm-hmm. even the Better Burger movement and everything. So I think there's a lot to be, that, that's yet to be said about the segments being like, um, stretch into different parts, you know. So, like, um, yes, finding will always be there because anniversary, you know, major, you know, mm-hmm. lifestyle. You yep. want to go there yep. for that. But in between, yep. what are they doing? So, again, look at the downfall. Downfall might give you as good, uh, not not the, not the same kind of food you can get at Tarragon, mm-hmm. but the experience is upbeat, is lively, and then you're mm-hmm. there. So, if they're going to go to downfall, they may not come to your spot. And then, if they have an anniversary mm-hmm. and have ten friends they want to hang out with. The one maybe mm-hmm. loud music or you know they might go to downfall instead. So it, it, mm-hmm. it's there's a and obviously downfall is not giving fast food quality food. They're doing better quality yeah, food than, than not, that. Yeah. So yeah, which is what I was going to point out too. With the number of restaurants and the competition, that's what competition does. It only makes things get better because everybody's trying to yeah, add but, on. But it add also on, removes from other customer. places to create a new segment. So I think that. You know, okay, Chipotle guy was, he went to culinary school and I think he said he didn't get into like maybe some restaurant he wanted to do. He now opened his own. He, he now opened mm-hmm. up the uh, Chipotle. So it's, you have chefs who now have food trucks and who even have fast casual concepts coming up. Mm-hmm. You know, that yeah. it, like back in the days, they would have worked in a you know, kitchen for fine dining restaurant. Mm-hmm. So I think the industry is changing where, and also the customers are now saying, I don't, ha- I mean, I don't have to be in a, you know, in a space where the, the waiters are wearing, you know, tuxedos, you know, pianos being mm-hmm. played to get, mm-hmm. to, sp- to, spend, to eat a 5,000 area burger. They can come to yeah. a, a food truck and spend mm-hmm. the same 4K on that. So I think that's, you know, we'll see what happens, but I think there's a change definitely mm-hmm. in the industry. And most of the, the, the young guys now, a young, you know, you know, between let's say 20 and maybe like 40s, I think they're more relaxed with, how they they kind of experience they how want they yes you know um mm-hmm. and, and that's just that but that's just my opinion what's what's next for you I mean, you know I'm trying to wrap this up so I don't spend take too much of your time like what's the what should we what should people expect to see from from you as far as um maybe products you're working on maybe a book you know like what's what's the next phase mm-hmm. oh my god next phase um yeah I am working on a second book it's it's pretty much ready okay. that's gonna come out very soon. Um, I, I guess we're going to continue working on all the projects we work on. 
more and more restaurants are opening up, and that's great for us. It's great for the entire industry. I have a couple more projects. I'm going to launch like three more restaurants actually between now and two are launching in December, one in Abuja, one in Lagos. And then there's a third one in Lagos that should be ready round about first quarter, end of first quarter next year. Um, so that's still happening. What else? I mean, for me, it, it, I guess it's just continue to be in a space where I continue to do what I'm doing, do it better, inspire more people, empower more people, build more capacity in the industry, and you know, stay as relevant as for as long as I possibly can. Which yeah, concept? Really. Which this just came up. Which restaurant concept works best in Lagos? Is it a fast casual or it's not? Fine dining is really tough. Oh yeah, fast uh, casual. So, okay. Casual. That's that's um, the. No, well, I would not. Well, um, upscale casual. Upscale casual. Mhm. Upscale what would casual. you consider downfall? Downfall. So the concept for downfall is uh, upscale street food. Upscale that was our street concept. Food. Okay. Yes. So you can get your ewa going and. And what's like the price that. point? Price point is your upscale price point. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, great, great, great. It's almost 50 minutes. Thank you very much for your time, Chef. This has been fantastic. <laughs> really? um, yeah, I mean, um, I didn't realize that. it's a um, great conversation. I think you touched on a lot of things that people will definitely pick up on. I've, you know, spoken to you already, so I've picked up a, a lot from you as well. But um, yeah, keep up the great work, man. And we're here rooting for you. Thank I think you're doing you. an amazing thing in the industry. You're creating Thank opportunities you so for people. And, um, you know, you, you, you've set the... You set a, the bar real high, and you've also showed, you know, future women that they can actually accomplish all this. And I think that's very admirable. So, uh, yeah, hats up, up to you. Thank you. I'm very well done to you too. I mean, you you stuck it out, even even admitting to failing and staying in there. No, I, and I also wish you all the very very best. Let you. us know if we can help you in any way whatsoever. Ah, and great, all great, the great. very best. I thank wish you, you all the best. Thank you very much, ma'am. All right, take it easy. You're welcome. All right, ciao. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. If you like our show and you want to know more, please check out businessfeverng.com. Share the link with your friends. Leave us a review on iTunes. Join us again on Monday for a new podcast. Thank you.